Welcome to the Teachers to Tech podcast. I'm your host, Dean. This is the podcast where we tell you how you can grow your tech skills, whether you're starting from scratch or just want to go farther. You might be thinking about a new job, a whole new career, or just a new hobby. We'll have something for everyone, so keep listening. This is episode 107 of Teachers to Tech. It's the second of a two-part series on databases. If you haven't listened to episode 106 yet, you will probably want to go back and listen to that one before you begin this podcast. In our last episode, we learned how relational databases store data in tables. We learned how the data in one table can be related to the data in another table through the use of a special field called a key. The key would be something like, say, a customer number that would appear in every order for that customer in a record with the order, and it would also appear in another table that had customer contact information. So when we want to look up an order for a customer and print it, we could ask both tables to work together using something called a join. We would output the customer contact information and we'd know which record for an order was related to that customer because that would also hold that same key field and they would match up in our output. When we have our tables built and related by our keys, we can then ask questions of the data using something called queries. Queries are ways of saying, I would like this database to return to me some very specific information based on some parameters. Tell me what all my orders are for this week, in other words, falling between this date and an end date in the date field, so that I can get a schedule together for the week, for instance. And the parameters, of course, would be the date, and the data that we selected would be what orders we have to produce for that week. Today we're going to learn how to use forms to get data into our tables, and then we're going to see how we can use reports to get data back out of the database. The forms are going to make it easy for users to input data in a way that works for humans, and the reports are going to make it easy for the database to output data in a way that's easy for humans to read. Database forms are probably exactly what you're already picturing in your mind. They're collections of controls like text boxes and drop-down lists that let us get input into our table. The controls could include check boxes so we can indicate items that we want to include in the records without having to type them out, drop-down lists, so that would kind of work the same way. We pick from a drop-down list, we don't have to type out our whole selection. The beauty of these two items also is that we can't type something wrong. So if we have a customer name already set in our database and we pick it out of a list, we know that the way we spell it is going to come off of that same list. It's going to match up everywhere. So there's no chance that I have a typo where I've entered a customer name wrong and now when I try to match it up with an order or I try to create an invoice that includes every order for that customer filtered by last name, this gets missed because, hey, it was spelled wrong. I've kind of locked that in. That's called data validation, and as you can imagine, it's a pretty helpful thing. So our form could have a whole set of these controls. Then it will populate a record based on our choices and input in those controls. 
and we can go on to the next order or the next customer name, continually entering data more easily with the forms that we've got. If you're working in an application and it has several forms, you're probably interfacing with a database. You may not even have access to all the forms. For instance, if you're working in a learning management system, there may be some input that can go into it, say in the counseling office, or some that goes into the head office that you don't have access to. On the other hand, there may be some things in the gradebook that other people don't have access to. But that's all one big database, and somebody can connect up some of the data with other data depending on what their job function is. Now, the forms I've been describing are part of a graphical user interface, or GUI, G-U-I, graphical user interface. Those can be built in some databases, and they're usually built in a process that can be time-consuming, but is partly drag-and-drop. You get the basis of your form and begin dragging the different items on it that you want as your controls. As you add those, you indicate this control is connected with this part of a record, this field of a record in a certain table. And in that way, you can either populate it or you can populate the table. If you've ever seen jobs that involve UI or UX, user interface or user experience, this can be part of that job, deciding what is the best way to set up a form to make the user experience as pleasant as possible and as easy as possible. When we pick back up, we'll discuss reports. We can look at tables and query results directly in a database, but for our human understanding, it's probably best to format our database output so that we can read it easily. We do this by using reports, and we can think of those as documents. They're populated by whatever data we select, and it just makes it easier to read that data. We can build those reports on data from a combination of tables and from queries. Now, for those of you who aren't teachers in the audience, I just want to mention that teachers often work in programs called learning management systems, and they use the acronym LMS for those. In an LMS, you might ask for a grade report. We could be drawing data from one table that has student contact information. So maybe at the top we have the student name, we have the student grade level, and the teacher, and those could all come off of one table. And then farther down in the report, literally on a page, we could have a set of grades. We might ask for just grades for the current quarter or semester, or maybe we want grades for a whole year, or maybe we want the student's career to date, and so we've got a transcript that we've created. When we run a report, the report might ask us for some parameters. Hey, I'm going to filter these grades by date, so please tell me what date span you want these grades for. Well, then the tables that we are querying only provide back to us the dates that we ask for. Those show up on the report, and one of the things that is so great about reports is they're flexible. What can happen is we build a basic report, and we say, hey, there's a header section here. This header section will always populate 
with the name and grade level and teacher that the student has. And then underneath, please keep adding as many lines as you need to to show all the different grades for this student. We make a little section called a detail section, but that detail section can keep growing as there are more records that we have to add to it. When we have just a few records, it stays short, so we don't have a lot of blank lines. We could run a report that is flexible as far as who gets reported, too. So we might say, hey, I have to run off a duplicate report. This report got lost or damaged, and I need to run an extra spare copy for parents to see. Or maybe I've got to run off a whole set for my class. Now, I know we don't work with paper much anymore in most systems, but I want to use that for a quick example. Or maybe we form PDFs out of our reports, and those are passed on to parents and administrators. Same principle applies, but instead of printing these on paper, we print them to PDFs. The idea here is that a report expands or contracts to use whatever data it's given and just creates as much of a document as we need. Databases usually have the ability to read data in various file types and then create a table containing that data or add that data to a table that we already have created and we can use it like all the rest of our data. They can also take data that they have and output that data into various file formats. So for example, we could have a Microsoft Access database look at an Excel spreadsheet and pull the data from that spreadsheet into a table. We can also reverse that process and say, I've manipulated data in such a way that I've got the output I want, but I want to be able to explore that data in Microsoft Excel or some other file type, and we can output there. Those are called imports and exports. I wanted to give you just a little taste of imports and exports as an important concept that we didn't dive into. I've got one more I need to talk to you about before I can explain the resources that I've posted for you. And that is the Structured Query Language, or SQL or SQL, depending on who you're talking to. They may use any of those names. This is a language created for data manipulation, and it's common to many database systems. When you look at the resources, you're going to see that I have posted two types of resources. One is a type of resource about SQL itself. I've got an article I picked out for you that tells you more about what it is, how it works, why you care about it. And then I have a link to a site that has a list of places where you can go to learn SQL. One of the beauties is that some of these places are where you interact with a website. You're not downloading anything to your computer. You're just playing along with the lessons out on that website. Now, a little bit of a contrast is using Microsoft Access. With Access, you can start by using a GUI, drag and drop type basic setup of a database, and in the background, Microsoft Access is writing the SQL that'll run the queries for you and other items that you're working with. You can learn about how databases interact between tables, queries, etc. by using Access and then look at SQL or SQL inside of the database if you would like to. 
I did post a link to say, hey, if you want to try with Access, then you can get that from Microsoft. Here's where you do this. And here is a place where you can get lots of lessons. It's a link to a Udemy search that I ran that said, here are all kinds of lessons for the beginner in Access. So that gives you a chance to say, hey, I want to get my feet wet, but I don't really want to learn a programming language right away. I do want to give you a little bit of a caveat. Watch out for SQL Server. That is another database. There's nothing wrong with it, but you just need to know that some people talk about SQL Server by just calling it SQL. And we want to make sure that we are looking at material about SQL rather than SQL Server because that could get very confusing. Just a personal note here that you might find encouraging. The first class I took in college when I started learning IT was an access course. I learned one little concept in that course that I took right back to my employer. And by using that concept, I saved eight hours of labor every day. One person was freed up to do other work all day, every day because of that. And so that got me some recognition. The other was that later when I left that job and went into an actual programming job, I used what I knew about Access to clean up a process at another company. And it made such a big difference to the company. Well, let's just say there was a big monetary reward. And that was just from one simple class in Access. So although databases take a little bit more work to learn than some of the other things I've mentioned, there are some very big payoffs. Hopefully that'll be motivation for some of you. Now, when we come back in our next episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to get these tech skills onto your resume in such a way that employers like myself can look at the resume and say, oh yeah, I see that this person is technically inclined. Remember, you don't have to come into the job that I have open or a lot of other jobs knowing exactly the technical that is demanded by that job, but you do need to show that you've got that kind of ability. So we're going to talk about that next time. Thanks for listening. That's all we have for today. This is Dean saying thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back with us next time on Teachers to Tech.